This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. Isn't it bullshit to have to question where your food comes from? At Vital Farms, you can trace your pasture-raised eggs all the way back to the source, the pasture. On the side of each pasture-raised carton of eggs, you'll find the name of the farm where your eggs were laid. And when you look the farm up on their website, you'll get a peek at all the sunshine, fresh air, and open space the hens enjoy. Learn more and find out where to buy them at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit-free. The rooster for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Now, here's Juliet Huddy and Frank Morano. Good Friday morning, everyone, and welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Frank Diaz. I'm in for the other Frank. Frank Morano is tending to his new baby boy and Juliet Huddy. Who's still on vacation? Let's get to it. This, this is the top five at five. Last night, Congress managed to avert a government shutdown just one day ahead of the deadline, sending a bill to keep federal agencies funded through mid-February to President Biden's desk. The Senate passed the short-term spending measure in a 69-28 to 28 vote after uncertainty over whether leadership could garner the votes amid pushback from conservatives who called for language to defund the administration's vaccine mandates. I'm happy to say that last night I reached an agreement with Leader McConnell, the Speaker, and the Chair of the House Appropriations Committee and the Senate Appropriations Committee on a continuing resolution that will keep the federal government funded through mid-February of next year. This is a good compromise that allows an appropriate amount of time for both parties in both chambers to finish negotiations on appropriations. The bill funds the government through February 18th and provides an additional $7 billion for agencies assisting evacuees from Afghanistan. While conservative hardliners threatened to derail the passage of the stopgap spending bill without the changes, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell rallied enough members of his conference to reach the 60 votes needed to keep the federal lights on again. Mayor Bill de Blasio and Governor Kathy Hochul announced yesterday evening that five cases of the COVID-19 Omicron variant have been detected in the New York City area. Hochul said that they account for only five known cases in the state thus far and include one in Brooklyn, two in Queens, and one in Long Island, Suffolk County. A fifth was pegged to, quote, New York City by the officials, but without a more precise location. In terms of the information we received, literally there are five cases identified today in the state of New York. The first one was in Suffolk County. I've been in communication with the county executive, Steve Ballone, to alert him. This came out of a lab uh, that is in Suffolk, and he was a 67-year-old female who had symptoms, mild symptoms of a headache and a cough. There is some vaccination history. We don't know if it's one vaccination, two, or a booster shot, and that information will be shared with the public as soon as we receive it. But there's at least one vaccination involved. Uh, this is an individual who traveled from South Africa who tested negative upon returning to the U.S. on 11-25. And on, the, on November 30th, they took a point-of-care test, and they did test positive. The news came after... A Minnesota man who visited an anime convention at the Javits Center in Manhattan last month tested positive for the mutation. Hochul said the man's symptoms appeared to now be mild. 
Well, the feds are following state and legislative authorities in probing the sexual harassment claims against former Governor Andrew Cuomo that forced him from office. The stunning revelation of a separate Department of Justice investigation is contained in a legal services contract released by the state comptroller's office on Thursday in response to a Freedom of Information law request filed by the New York Post. Excuse me. The contract, which was signed in by October, references previously revealed Department of Justice investigations into the Cuomo administration's handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, its cover-up of nursing home deaths, and Cuomo's $5.1 million coronavirus memoir. But it adds... The Department of Justice has also undertaken an inquiry related to sexual harassment claims and made against the then governor. So, <laughs> Sources tell the Post that the probe is focused on possible violations of federal civil rights and labor laws. Visitor logs obtained exclusively by the Daily Mail reveal pedophile... Jeffrey Epstein visited the White House at least 17 times during Bill Clinton's first term between Dalio adds that the Constitution is the longest-lasting and most widely admired internal order, which makes it less likely to be abandoned. Some other top stories. The number of cops shot and killed in the line of duty across the United States this year has hit a new high, according to the National Fraternal Order of Police. 58 police officers have been murdered on the job as of November 30th, up from the 47 killed in all of 2020, according to the FOP's latest figures. In all, 314 officers have been shot in the line of duty through the first 11 months of this year, more than the 312 shot in the line of duty all of last year. It's 5.07. Here's traffic and transit with Joe Nolan. How's it looking out there, Joe? Well, it looks pretty good. A couple of problems here. We've got 2.02. This is in Raritan Township, New Jersey. Northbound at Reville Road, there's a tractor-trailer car accident. And also, as you travel eastbound on Route 10, as you come into Route 53, again, an accident, right lane accident investigation with that one. Apparently, there's a down pole and also some down wires. Brooklyn bound on a lower level closed for road work. Staten Island bound. This is a little unusual. A car fell off the back of a tow truck. So they're in the process of 
and getting that all straightened out as you go Staten Island bound on the Verrazano. That's on the upper level. And Mass Transit looks to be in pretty good shape. Alternate side is in effect. The support of service of Empire Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield, Heart of America, are helping schools across the country increase their access to healthy food. Learn more. EmpireBlue.com slash NYLiberty. With traffic on the sevens, I'm Joe Nolan. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Thanks, Joe. Now let's get to weather with Matt Sapienza. We're talking jacket and scarf or uh, light sweater? It is. We're, well, we're going to be needing a jacket and scarf. It's going to be 46 degrees today. Good morning, everybody. It's going to be bright and sunny, though. Northwest wind, 15 to 17 miles an hour. Tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 37. Tomorrow, to begin your weekend, it's going to be partly sunny with a high near 48. And Sunday, it's going to be mostly sunny with a high near 51. Sunday night, showers likely, mainly after 1 in the morning. Mostly cloudy with a temperature. Temperature rising to around 52 by 3 a.m. with a 60% chance of rain. New precipitation amounts between a tenth and quarter of an inch possible. Right now in New York City, it is 45 degrees under fair skies. And now, back to Frank. Thanks, Matt. The Biden administration will resume the Remain in Mexico policy next week after reaching an agreement with the Mexican government, according to the Department of Homeland Security, following the government of Mexico's independent decision to accept individuals returned pursuant to MPP. The Departments of Homeland Security and Justice will work out final operational details and begin the court-ordered re-implementation of the program on or around Monday, December 6th, the DHS said in a statement. The agreement was first reported by the Washington Post. The policy, formerly known as the Migrant Protection Protocols and implemented in 2019, requires asylum seekers attempting to enter the U.S. by crossing the southern border to wait in Mexico until their cases are heard. The new policy iteration will be enforced at seven ports of entry, San Diego and Calexico in California, Nogales in Arizona, and El Paso, Eagle Pass, Laredo, and Brownsville in Texas. One official told the Washington Post that temporary, quote, tent courts have been under construction in Brownsville and Laredo, but will likely not be ready to hold asylum hearings until next week. Former Trump White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows who will answer a subpoena to appear before the January 6th House panel investigating the riots at the U.S. Capitol, says he firmly backs President Trump's right to declare executive privilege. Meadows interviewed exclusively on the Bo Snerdley Show on 77 WABC. I can tell you that he has claimed executive privilege. We're going to continue to honor that executive privilege. Uh, I've made that very clear to the committee. Uh, I'm not going to be the first chief of staff to uh, uh, take down what is rightfully his and he has claimed. And uh, and yet at the same time, uh, a number of uh, the committee members have suggested that uh, there's non-privileged questions that I could shed light on uh, some of what happened on January 6th. And so I'm certainly willing to help with that. I can say this, uh, that I am aware of no one in the White House uh, that had any advanced knowledge of what was going to happen on January 6th. I think uh, the committee will be disappointed to hear that. I also know that President Trump uh, had ordered 10,000 National Guard troops to make sure that uh, things were safe and secure that particular day. I'm going to continue to uh, honor the president's request to claim executive privilege. Thank you. That doesn't sound like you're turning on President Trump at all. No, no, no. A new Gallup poll shows that nearly half of U.S. households 
say that the recent bout of inflation is causing them some degree of financial hardship, while 10% of American families reported experiencing, quote, severe hardship affecting their standard of living. According to the poll, some 45% of households said they experience either severe or moderate hardship as a result of the price increases that have rolled the economy in recent months. President Biden Thursday announced a COVID-19 winter plan that imposes new but less strict than feared international travel rules and mandates that health insurance companies pay for at-home COVID-19 rapid tests. Air travelers to the U.S. will have to test negative for the virus within one day of their flight rather than within three days. But Biden opted against more draconian ideas reportedly under review amid fears about the potentially more contagious Omicron variant. The Omicron variant of COVID-19 reached the U.S. this week after being first detected by South African scientists. Its high number of mutations means it may be more contagious, though that hasn't been proven. According to the Washington Post, Biden's team had considered forcing U.S. citizens to do seven days of mandatory self-quarantine after returning from abroad and requiring them to test negative three to five days after arrival under threat of legal punishment. A new report reveals that the U.S. produced 42 million tons of plastic waste in 2016, making it by far the biggest contributor to plastic waste. About 1 million tons of this total ended up in the world's oceans, according to the report from the National Academy of Sciences. The organization claims that at 42 million tons, the U.S.'s contribution to the world's plastic waste is more than twice as much as China and more than 28 countries of the European Union, including the United Kingdom, combined. The report added that on average, every American generates 286 pounds of plastic waste per year, with the U.K. next on the list at 218 pounds per person per year, followed by South Korea at 194 pounds per year. And less educated, lower-income families were more likely to have felt the weight of the price crunch, according to the survey, which was conducted from November 3rd to November 16th, among those living in household making less than $40,000 a year. 71% said the recent price hikes have caused their family financial hardship compared with 47% of those in middle-income households and 29% in upper-income households. Gallup defined an upper-income household as those bringing in more than $100,000 per year. Newly uncovered emails show that Hunter Biden plotted an investment meeting with the Serbian president and high net worth individuals and planned to hitch a ride with then Vice President Joe Biden when he flew to Europe on an official visit. The emails published by Fox News on Thursday show that Hunter had been liaising with a registered Serbian foreign agent and then the U.S. Serbian ambassador in April 2010 to arrange the potential investment meeting. New York Post columnist Miranda Devine appeared on Cats at Night Thursday saying it's hard to ignore the scandal surrounding the younger Biden. That's evident from not just documents, but also from contemporaneous media reports in Ukraine and elsewhere in Europe that Viktor Shokin was conducting a corruption investigation into Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company that was paying Hunter Biden 83000 plus a month. The device new book, Laptop from Hell, reconstructs the Biden family's quest for cash by using files left on Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop. Now for some sports. Matt Sapienza, what do you got? All right, thanks, Frank, and good morning, everybody. Here's what's going on in the wide world of sports. Well, to start off with Thursday Night Football, 
things didn't start out on an ideal note for either offense, with both teams stumbling due to a mix of good defense and poor execution en route to the Dallas Cowboys, handing the New Orleans Saints a 27-17 loss at Caesar Superdome. It was Dak Prescott and company who drew first blood on a drive in the first quarter that looked a lot like the usually prolific group that the NFL has been accustomed to seeing from Dallas. Big plays coming from both Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb and capped off by a twisting touchdown catch by Michael Gallup. To the NBA now, DeMar DeRozan scored 34 points, Zach Levine and Nikola Vukovic each added 27, and the Chicago Bulls held on for a 119-115 victory over the Knicks last night. Those three were the only Chicago players to score in the fourth quarter, but it was enough after the Knicks had erased a 21-point deficit to take the lead. DeRozan scored 18 points in the fourth, including the Bulls' final six. Here's a sick dunk made by those Bulls. Rose's pass, another deflection, another turnover. Dosumo throws it up for Caruso! Levine had given Chicago the lead by making two free throws with 53 seconds left after the game was tied at 111. And really quickly, it was a terrible night for hockey in our area. The Islanders fell to the Sharks 2-1, and the Devils fell to the Wild 5-2. With sports at 15 and 45, I'm Matt Sapienza, WABC Sports. Back to you, Frank. Thanks a lot, Matt. It's just about 517, which means traffic and transit with Joe Nolan. What's going on, Joe? All right, Frank, we got problems uh, again in New Jersey as you travel on Route 202. This is in Raritan Township down in Hunterdon County, northbound Route 202, Reveal Road, tractor trailer car accident. That's in the process of being cleared up and out of the way. And then on Route 10 in uh, Morris County in Parsippany at Route 53, an accident in the right lane. This is a bad one, though, apparently an accident investigation down pole, down wires. They're in the process of getting that out of the way. Brooklyn bound, if you're traveling on the Verrazano, the lower level closed for road work. That should be gone in about 45 minutes. And Staten Island bound Verrazano, upper level, there is a disabled vehicle. Now, mass transit is all good and all it's out of the street parking rules and regulations once again today are going to be in effect. With traffic on the sevens, I'm Joe Nolan, Talk Radio 77 WABC. Thanks a lot, Joe. Yep. Matt Sapienza is back with the weather. How is it out there? Well, it's going to be sunny today with a high near 46 northwest wind. F- 15 to 17 miles an hour. Tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 37. To begin your weekend, tomorrow we're going to see some partly sunny skies with a high near 48. Southwest wind, 6 to 11 miles an hour. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy with a low around 35. And Sunday, it's going to be mostly sunny with a high near 51. And then Sunday night, we're going to see showers likely, mainly after 1 in the morning. Mostly cloudy overall, though, with the temperature rising to around 52 by 3 in the morning. The chances per rain is is uh, 60%. New precipitation amounts between a tenth and quarter of an inch possible. Right now in New York City, it is 45 WABC degrees under fair skies. And now, back to Frank. I love when he says that. Thanks, Matt. (laughs) All right, here's some financial stories for you guys. The number of Americans newly seeking jobless benefits last week shot back up, but remained near pre-pandemic levels after plummeting to a 52-year low in the prior report ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday, the Fed said Thursday. Initial filings for unemployment benefits seen as a proxy for layoffs rose to 222,000, up 28,000 from the prior week's revised level of 194,000, according to data released 
released by the Labor Department. Economists surveyed by Dow Jones expected to see new claims rise even more to 240,000 after seeing six consecutive weeks of decreases, including a huge drop of 71,000 reported last week. A decline in gas prices is, quote, picking up steam, according to an industry expert. The national average for a gallon of regular gasoline dropped 2.1 cents on Wednesday, which is quite notable move for the national average to fall over two cents a gallon in one day, gas buddy petroleum analyst Patrick DeHaan told Fox Business. DeHaan said it's, quote, a sign that the downturn is picking up steam and more declines are coming. DeHaan projected that consumers may even see prices under $3.30 per gallon by early next week. He added it could even push the national average to $2.99 per gallon by Christmas, barring any, quote, changes in the Omicron variant. Stock report, the Dow, NASDAQ, and S&P all closed with gains last night. Pre-market trading is showing gains for today's futures as well. An armed man surrendered to New York City Police Department officers after a three-hour standoff outside the United Nations building where he held a shotgun to his throat Thursday morning. The bomb squad has swept the hotel, has swept his hotel room and the truck. And there are no outstanding threats connected uh, to, to any of those items. Officers with the NYPD were in an armed standoff with the man outside the United Nations building around 1.30 p.m., police said. The white man, assumed to be in his 60s, came from Florida to deliver papers. Photos show him handling over a red folder labeled EHR, presumably in hopes to be delivered to the Equality and Human Rights Commission of the U.N. Deputy Commissioner Benjamin Tucker said the man, quote, had some issues and was taken to a local hospital to be evaluated. Charges against him are pending as the investigation remains ongoing. Police are also investigating after they say a man stole an unoccupied school bus in East New York and struck 15 to 20 parked vehicles before he was stopped. The incident was reported Thursday afternoon around 3 p.m. when the man stole the bus at East 51st Street between Linden Boulevard and Lenox Road. Authorities tracked the bus through multiple precincts, eventually taking the suspect into custody in Brownsville at Jamaica and Sheffield Avenues. Anthony Reyes was later charged with grand larceny, reckless endangerment, unauthorized use of a vehicle, forgery, criminal possession of stolen property, obstruction of a governmental authority, resisting arrest, leaving the scene of an accident, and fleeing an officer in a motor vehicle. Before he was stopped, Reyes struck multiple vehicles along the way, as well as a building on East New York Avenue. One witness said he struck every single car on one block. Pushing me, then he stopped, reversed. Try to go around with him, see he couldn't make it out. He clicked two cars down there. Police say Reyes has at least 12 prior arrests, including robbery. His last arrest for robbery was in 2017. He was released in March 2020 and is currently on parole until March 2025. City officials placed a single metal detector in a Brooklyn school building the day after a student was busted with a loaded gun and turned up 21 weapons in just one day, law enforcement say. The Department of Education installed the scanner in the complex housing of Urban Assembly School for Law and Justice and two other schools in downtown Brooklyn Thursday morning after the 17-year-old was nabbed, allegedly with a 9mm pistol and more than $30,000 in cash. 
The school does not normally have a scanner in place, and Thursday's surprise installation netted a varied arsenal. Nine knives, seven cans of pepper spray, four stun guns, and a pair of brass knuckles. The 17-year-old had been busted a day earlier after showing up late for school at around noon and entering an office to log his attendance. A school staffer spotted what she thought was a pistol in his backpack and alerted school safety agents. NYPD Police Commissioner Dermot Shea and another top cop have put their retirement papers in the weeks before Mayor-elect Eric Adams takes office. Shea and First Deputy Commissioner Ben Tucker will step away from police department on December 31st. The top cop's driver, Detective Thomas Fitzgerald, also filed for retirement on Thursday. The lame duck police commissioner, with just a month left on the job, filed for retirement while overseas in Dubai on, quote, routine travel for the NYPD. The move was expected as a new mayoral administration will take over on January 1st. Incoming Mayor Eric Adams has not said who will replace Commissioner Shea. At 11.59 p.m. on Wednesday night, Major League Baseball's collective bargaining agreement expired. Minutes later, MLB owners announced a lockout of the players. It's baseball's first work stoppage since the 1994-1995 players' strike, and there's no telling when it'll end. As a result of the lockout, the league is not using any player's name, image, or likeness in any capacity. So that means if you head to any MLB team's official website or MLB.com, it's going to look different than it usually does. Fans can still find respective teams' rosters, but photos of each player have been removed. Former Miami Marlins president David Sampson broke it down on Fox Business's Your World with Neil Cavuto. Well, keep in mind, the players only get paid between April and September. So while there is a lockout, players are not losing money. They only begin to lose once the season would have started. So I think the true pressure point comes when it looks like the season is going to be delayed and then members of that union will not be getting the paychecks that they're used to getting. But the union has countered that argument by saying, we've got a war chest here. We have withheld licensing money from these players. So we built up money that we could distribute to members of the union if they start missing actual paychecks. So this game of chicken, as you called it, could last for quite a while. Following the work stoppage, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred wrote a letter to fans of the sport and explained the lockout situation and how both sides got to this point. In addition, the Players Union also had a statement that they released shortly after the lockout began. The union called the lockout owners choice and wanted to pressure the union in order to gain more benefits for the owner. The key Rust crew member accused of handling Alec Baldwin the gun before cinematographer Helena Hutchins was shot dead backed the actor's claim that he never pulled the trigger, but the Santa Fe County Sheriff has insisted guns just don't go off. Attorney for Assistant Director Dave Halls tells ABC News that Halls has always maintained that Baldwin's finger was never in the trigger guard when their cinematographer was killed on October 21st on the New Mexico set. In his interview with George Stephanopoulos, Baldwin says he does not believe he is at fault, nor does he feel any guilt. We'll get to I that. I feel that there is, I, I feel that, that, that uh, someone is responsible for what happened, and I can't say who that is, but I know it's not me. What do we come out of this learning? What do we come out of it? What changes can be made? Because where you have a person where, where, as I said, this is one in a billion 
that someone puts a real bullet in the gun. That never happens. And the idea that a real bullet was in that gun and would come out of that gun and kill that woman, that, that was not even in the realm of possibility. And that's the thing that they must find out is where, who brought bullets onto the set. It's 527. You know what that means. Traffic and transit with Joan Olin. All right, man. Again, Route 10, as you begin to travel on the eastbound side, we still are going to have some delays as you come into uh, the area of Route 53. An accident, right lane, accident investigation involved down pole, down wires, all that. It's still in the process of being cleared. Route 202 northbound, Reville Road, Raritan Township. Tractor trailer car accident, Brooklyn bound, lower level, horizontal, all lanes closed. And alternate side of the street parking rules again today are going to be in effect. This report, a service of Indeed.com. Hitting speed bumps in your hiring process, streamline your route to hired with Indeed. Their hiring platform makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all in the same place. Find your next great hire and visit Indeed.com slash credit. I'm Joe Nolan, traffic on the 7th Talk Radio 77 WABC. Thanks a lot, Joe. Yep. Matt Sapienza, yes. let's go to weather. All right, here's what's happening in the world of weather. Uh, sunny today, high near 46. Tomorrow or Tonight, rather, increasing clouds, a low around 37. Tomorrow, to begin your weekend, we're going to see partly sunny skies with a high near 48. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy with a low around 35. Sunday is going to be a unique day, mostly sunny, high near 51 during the day. And then Sunday night, showers are going to be likely mainly after 1 in the morning. Mostly cloudy with the temperature arising around to 52 by 3 in the morning. Chance of rain is 60%. New precipitation amounts between a tenth and quarter of an inch possible. Right now in New York City, it is 45 degrees under fair skies. WABC time, 20 minutes, 28 minutes rather, after 5 o'clock. We will be right back with more of the 77 WABC early news in just a moment. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Now, here's Juliet Huddy and Frank Morano. 77 WABC Early News. I'm Frank Diaz. In from Frank Morano and Juliet Huddy. You know what time it is. It's the top five at 530. Last night, Congress managed to avert a government shutdown just one day ahead of the deadline, sending a bill to keep federal agencies funded through mid-February to President Biden's desk. The Senate passed the short-term spending measure in a 69-28 to 28 vote after uncertainty over whether leadership could garner the votes amid pushback from conservatives who called for language to defund the administration's vaccine mandates. I'm happy to say that last night I reached an agreement with Leader McConnell, the Speaker, and the Chair of the House Appropriations Committee and the Senate Appropriations Committee on a continuing resolution that will keep the federal government funded through mid-February of next year. This is a good compromise that allows an appropriate amount of time for both parties in both chambers to finish negotiations on appropriations. The bill funds the government through February 18th and provides an additional $7 billion for agencies assisting evacuees from Afghanistan. While conservative hardliners threatened to derail the passage of the stopgap spending bill without the changes, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell rallied enough members of his conference to reach the 60 votes needed to keep the federal lights on again. 
Mayor DeBille de Blasio and Governor Kathy Hochul announced Thursday evening that five cases of the COVID-19 Omicron variant have been detected in the New York City area. Hochul said that they account for only five known cases in the state thus far and include one in Brooklyn, two in Queens, and one in Long Island's Suffolk County. A fifth was pegged to New York City by the officials, but without a more precise location. In terms of the information we received, literally there are five cases identified today in the state of New York. The first one was in Suffolk County. I've been in communication with the county executive, Steve Vallone, to alert him. This came out of a lab uh, that is in Suffolk, and it was a 67-year-old female who had symptoms, mild symptoms of a headache and a cough. There is some vaccination history. We don't know if it's one vaccination, two, or a booster shot, and that information will be shared with the public as soon as we receive it, but there's at least one vaccination involved. Uh, This is an individual who traveled from South Africa who tested negative upon returning to the U.S. on 11-25, and on on November 30th they took a point-of-care test, and they did test positive. The news came after a Minnesota man who visited an anime convention at the Javits Center in Manhattan last month tested positive for the mutation. Hochul said that the man's symptoms now appear to be mild. The feds are following state and legislative authorities and probing the sexual harassment claims against former Governor Andrew Cuomo that forced him from his office. The stunning revelation of a separate Department of Justice investigation is contained in a legal services contract released by the state comptroller's office on Thursday in response to a freedom of information law request filed by the New York Post. The contract, which was signed in October, references previously revealed Department of Justice investigations into the Cuomo administration's handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, its cover-up of nursing home deaths, and Cuomo's $5.1 million coronavirus memoir. But it adds... DOJ has also undertaken an inquiry related to sexual harassment claims made against the then governor. Sources tell the Post that the probe is focused on possible violations of federal civil rights and labor laws. Visitor logs obtained exclusively by DailyMail.com reveals pedophile Jeffrey Epstein visited the White House at least 17 times during Bill Clinton's first term between 1993 and 95. Their documents released as part of a FOIA request show Epstein was admitted as a guest on 14 separate days and on three occasions made two visits in a single day. The vast majority of Epstein's visits were to the West Wing, suggesting he was meeting the president. The late financier was invited by some of Clinton's most senior advisors and aides, including Robert Rubin, who later served as Clinton's Treasury Secretary. While Epstein's crimes did not become public knowledge until his 2006 arrest, the visits would have occurred around the time his alleged madam, Ghislaine Maxwell, was allegedly procuring underage girls for him. Hedge fund founder Ray Dalio predicts there is a 30% chance of U.S. civil war in the next 10 years because of emotional political polarization. He notes the rules of governance being ignored and the exceptional amount of polarization currently seen in the country as his main reasoning. Dalio cites several studies showing the growing emotionally charged divide between Republicans and Democrats in recent years. The question is the how do you make productive continue to increase rather than just redistribution. And so that's where we are politically. We have that conflict. We see the left-right conflict. 
We see it play out now in the tax bills and so on. We're going to see it in the 2022 elections. You're going to see it in the two. And that conflict itself is the ingredients of some form of civil war. A survey found 15 percent of Republicans and 20 percent of Democrats believes the country would be better off if a majority of the opposing political party just died. Dalio adds that the Constitution is the longest lasting and most widely admired internal order, which makes it less likely to be abandoned. Another top story, the number of cops shot and killed in the line of duty across the U.S. this year has hit a new high. 58% of officers have been murdered on the job as of November 30th, up from the 47 killed in all of 2020, according to the National Fraternal Order of Police. In all, 314 officers have been shot in the line of duty through the first 11 months of this year, more than the 312 shot in the line of duty all of last year. All right, it's about 37 after. I think it's time for Traffic and Transit with Joe Nolan. How's it looking? Well, we've got a new problem. This one on the Garden State Parkway now as you travel northbound. Uh, just after the Raritan Tolls, between the Raritan Toll and the Driscoll Bridge, apparently uh, the right lane there is closed because of the debris. But there are so many lanes there you probably won't even notice. At eastbound Route 10 at Route 53, an accident. That's in the right lane. Get over to the left. We also have problems on 202 in Raritan Township uh, with an accident on Route 202 northbound coming up to Route 31. Again, a tractor trailer and a car banged in and one another as you go on through there. Uh, we're doing pretty well coming inbound from the island, at least so far, LIE Northern Southern. The states, all three moving along at a nice clip right through Nassau County and alternate side of the street. Parking rules and regulations again today are going to be in effect. And this report is the service of Walgreens. Walgreens is making Medicare easier than ever with their new Find RX coverage tool. Compare plans online, over the phone, or in person for free. Find the plan that's right for you, plus low-cost co-pays by visiting walgreens.com slash Medicare. I'm Joe Nolan with Traffic on Talk Radio 77 W. WABC. Thanks, Joe. Now yep. let's get to weather with Matt Sapienza. All right. Thanks, Frank, and good morning, everybody. Here's what's going on in the wide world of weather. Sunny today with a high near 46. Uh, increasing clouds tonight with a low around 37. Now how about this weekend? Tomorrow it's going to be partly sunny with a high near 48. Tomorrow night it's going to be partly cloudy with a low around 35. Quite the polar opposite on Saturday. And Sunday is going to be quite a unique day. Mostly sunny with a high near 51. North wind 6 to 10. 10 miles an hour becoming southeast in the afternoon. Sunday night, showers likely, mainly after 1 in the morning. Mostly cloudy with a temperature rising to around 52 by 3 in the morning. Chance of rain is 60%. New precipitation amounts between tenth and quarter of an inch possible. Right now in New York City, it is 44 degrees under fair skies. And that's the weather. Now back to Frank Diaz. Thanks, Matt. Though the Biden administration will resume the remain in Mexico policy next week after reaching an agreement with the Mexican government, according to the DHS. A statement from the organization says following the government of Mexico's independent decision to accept individuals returned pursuant to MPP, the Departments of Homeland Security and Justice will work out final operational details and begin the court ordered reimplementation of the program on or around Monday, December 6th. The 
agreement was first reported by the Washington Post. The policy, formerly known as the Migrant Protection Protocols and implemented in 2019, requires asylum seekers attempting to enter the U.S. by crossing the southern border to wait in Mexico until their cases are heard. The new policy iteration will be enforced at seven ports of entry, San Diego and Calexico in California, Nogales in Arizona, and El Paso, Eagle Pass, Laredo, and Brownsville in Texas. One official told the Washington Post that temporary tent courts have been under construction in Brownsville and Laredo, but will likely not be ready to hold asylum hearings until next week. Former Trump White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, who will answer a subpoena to appear before the January 6th House panel investigating the riots at the U.S. Capitol, says he firmly backs former President Trump's right to declare executive privilege. Meadows interviewed exclusively on the Bo Snerdley show yesterday on 77 WABC. I can tell you that he has claimed executive privilege. We're going to continue to honor that executive privilege. Uh, I've made that very clear to the committee. Uh, I'm not going to be the first chief of staff to uh, uh, take down what is rightfully his and he has claimed. And uh, and yet at the same time, uh, a number of uh, the committee members have suggested that uh, there's non-privileged questions that I could shed light on uh, some of what happened on January 6th. And so I'm certainly willing to help with that. I can say this, uh, that I am aware of no one in the White House uh, that had any advanced knowledge of what was going to happen on January 6th. I think uh, the committee will be disappointed to hear that. I also know that President Trump uh, had ordered 10,000 National Guard troops to make sure that uh, things were safe and secure that particular day. I'm going to continue to uh, honor the president's request to claim executive privilege. Thank you. That doesn't sound like you're turning on President Trump at all. No, no, no. A new Gallup poll shows that nearly half of U.S. households say that the recent bout of inflation is causing them some degree of financial hardship. While 10% of American families reported experiencing, quote, severe hardship affecting their standard of living. According to the poll, some 45% of households say they experience either severe or moderate hardship as a result of the price increases that have roiled the economy in recent months. And less educated, lower income families were more likely to have felt the weight of the price crunch, according to the survey. Survey, which was conducted from November 3rd to November 16th. Among those living in households making less than $40,000 a year, 71% said the recent price hikes have caused their family financial hardship, compared with just 47% of those in middle-income households and 29% in upper-income households. Gallup defined an upper-income household as those bringing in more than $100,000 a year. Well, newly uncovered emails show that Hunter Biden plotted an investment meeting with the Serbian president and high net worth individuals and planned to hitch a ride with then Vice President Joe Biden when he flew to Europe on an official visit. The emails published by Fox News on Thursday show that Hunter had been liaising with a registered Serbian foreign agent and the then U.S. Serbian ambassador in April 2010 to arrange the potential investment meeting. 
New York Post columnist Miranda Devine appeared on Cats at Night Thursday saying it's hard to ignore the scandal surrounding the younger Biden. That's evident from not just documents, but also from contemporaneous media reports in Ukraine and elsewhere in Europe that Viktor Shokin was conducting a corruption investigation into Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company that was paying Hunter Biden 83000 plus a month. Devine's new book, Laptop from Hell reconstructs the Biden family's quest for cash by using files left on Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop. Well, President Biden on Thursday announced a COVID-19 winter plan that imposes new but less strict than feared international travel rules and mandates that health insurance companies pay for at-home COVID-19 rapid tests. Air travelers to the U.S. will have to test negative for the virus within one day of their flight rather than within three days. But Biden opted against a more draconian idea reportedly under review amid fears about the potentially more contagious Omicron variant. The Omicron variant of COVID-19 reached the U.S. this week after being first detected by South African scientists. Its number of mutations means that it may be more contagious, though that has not yet been proven. According to the Washington Post, Biden's team had considered forcing U.S. citizens to do seven days of mandatory self-quarantine after returning from abroad and requiring them to test negative three to five days after arrival under threat of legal punishment. Now for sports, Matt Sapienza, what's going on? All right, thanks, Frank, and good morning, everybody. Here's what's going on in the wide world of sports. Well, to start off with Thursday Night Football, things didn't start out on an ideal note for either offense, with both teams stumbling due to a mix of good defense and poor execution en route to the Dallas Cowboys, handing the New Orleans Saints a 27-17 loss at Caesar Superdome. It was Dak Prescott and company who drew first blood on a drive in the first quarter that looked a lot like the usually prolific group that the NFL has been accustomed to seeing from Dallas. Big plays coming from both Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb and capped off by a twisting touchdown catch by Michael Gallup. To the NBA now, DeMar DeRozan scored 34 points, Zach Levine and Nikola Vukovic each added 27, and the Chicago Bulls held on for a 119-115 victory over the Knicks last night. Those three were the only Chicago players to score in the fourth quarter, but it was enough after the Knicks had erased a 21-point deficit to take the lead. DeRozan scored 18 points in the fourth, including the Bulls' final six. Here's a sick dunk made by those Bulls. Rose's pass, another deflection, another turnover. Dosumo throws it up for Caruso! Levine had given Chicago the lead by making two free throws with 53 seconds left after the game was tied at 111. And really quickly, it was a terrible night for hockey in our area. The Islanders fell to the Sharks 2-1, and the Devils fell to the Wild 5-2. With sports at 15 and 45, I'm Matt Sapienza, WABC Sports. Back to you, Frank. Thank you, Matt. Well, a new report reveals that the U.S. produced 42 million tons of plastic waste in 2016, making it by far the biggest contributor to plastic waste. About 1 million tons of this total ended up in the world's oceans, according to the report from the National Academy of Sciences. The organization claims that 42 million tons, the U.S.'s contribution... To the world, plastic waste is more than twice as much as China and more than 28 countries of the European Union, including the U.K. combined. All right, here's traffic with Joe Nolan. Joe, what's going on? 
Well, Frank, we have problems coming inbound on the LIE now. Very heavy and slow as you start to come in uh, through the western part of Nassau County. Let's say through Little Neck Parkway and then getting in towards the Cross Island. Don't see a problem there, but it, it's very, very bunched up and very heavy. And then as you get into Queens Boulevard, same kind of thing. Now, also on the Garden State Parkway northbound, coming up to the Driscoll Bridge, debris in the right lane. Eastbound Route 10 approaching Route 53, an accident in the right lane with an accident investigation. Down pole, down wires, and then 202 northbound. Reville Road in Raritan Township, a tractor-trailer car accident, and alternate side of the street parking rules and regulations again today are going to be in effect. I'm Joe Nolan with Traffic on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Thanks, Joe. Matt Sepiens is back with weather. How is it out there? It is going to be... Quite average today, but um, hot and quite cold. Good morning, everybody. 46 degrees is going to be the high today. It is going to be nice and sunny. Enjoy it while it lasts. Tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 37. Uh, here's the weekend forecast. It's going to be a rather unique weekend. Uh, partly sunny with a high near 48 on Saturday. Saturday night, partly cloudy, low around 35. See the difference there? Uh, Sunday is going to be a unique day. Uh, mostly sunny with a high near 51. North wind 6 to 10 miles an hour becoming southeast in the afternoon sunday night showers are going to be likely mainly after one o'clock in the morning mostly cloudy overall with the temperature rising to around 52 by 3 a.m the chance of rain is going to be 60 percent new precipitation amounts between a tenth and a quarter of an inch possible right now in new york city it is 44 degrees under fair skies and that's the latest from the weather center now back over to frank diaz god i hope my cough goes away thanks matt <laughs> <laughs> the number of Americans newly seeking jobless benefits last week shot back up, but remained near pre-pandemic levels after plummeting to a 52-year low in the prior report ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday. Initial filings for unemployment benefits seen as a proxy for layoffs rose to 222,000, up 28,000 from the prior week's revised level of 194,000, according to data released by the Labor Department. Economists surveyed by Dow Jones expected to see new claims rise even more, up to 240,000 after seeing six consecutive weeks of decreases, including a huge drop of 71,000 reported last week. A decline in gas prices is, quote, picking up steam, according to an industry expert. The national average for a gallon of regular gas dropped 2.1 cents on Wednesday, which is, according to Gas Buddy Petroleum Analyst Patrick DeHaan, quite a notable move for the national average to fall over two cents a gallon in one day. DeHaan added on Fox Business that it's a sign that the downturn is picking up steam and more declines are coming. DeHaan projected that consumers may even see prices under $3.30 per gallon by early next week. He added it could even push the national average to two ninety nine per gallon by Christmas, barring any changes in the Omicron variant. A report on stocks. The Dow, the Nasdaq, and S&P all closed with gains last night. Pre-market trading showing gains for today's futures as well. Well, an armed man surrendered to the NYPD after a three-hour standoff outside the United Nations yesterday where he held a shotgun to his throat. The bomb squad has swept the hotel, has swept his hotel room, and the truck. And there are no outstanding threats connected uh, to, to any of those items. 
The officers with the NYPD were in an armed standoff until about 1.30 in the afternoon. The man, assumed to be in his 60s, came from Florida to deliver papers. Photos show him handing over a red folder labeled EHR, presumably, in hopes to be delivered to the Equality and Human Rights Commission of the U.N. Deputy Commissioner Benjamin Tucker said the man, quote, had some issues and was taken to a local hospital to be evaluated. Charges against him are pending as the investigation remains ongoing. Well, police are also investigating after they say a man stole an unoccupied school bus in East New York and struck about 20 parked vehicles before he was stopped. The incident was reported yesterday afternoon when the man stole the bus at East 51st Street between Linden Boulevard and Lenox Road. Authorities tracked the bus through multiple precincts, eventually taking the suspect into custody in Brownsville at Jamaica and Sheffield Avenues. Anthony Reyes was later charged with grand larceny Reckless endangerment, unauthorized use of a vehicle, forgery, criminal possession of stolen property, obstruction of a governmental authority, resisting arrest, leaving the scene of an accident, and fleeing an officer in a motor vehicle. That's a lot of charges. Before he was stopped, Reyes struck multiple vehicles along with the way, as well as a building on East New York Avenue. One witness said he struck every single car on one block. Pushing me, then he stopped, reversed, tried to go around when he couldn't make it out. He clipped two cars down there. Well, his last arrest for robbery was in 2017 after police said that he had 12 prior. He was released in March 2020 and is currently on parole until March of 2025. Well, city officials placed a single metal detector in a Brooklyn school building the day after a student was busted with a loaded gun and... The findings turned up 21 weapons in just one day. The Department of Education installed the scanner in the complex housing, Urban Assembly School for Law and Justice, and two other schools in downtown Brooklyn Thursday morning after the 17-year-old was nabbed with a 9mm pistol and more than $30,000 in cash. The school does not normally have a scanner in place, and Thursday's surprise installation netted a varied arsenal, nine knives, seven cans of pepper spray, four stun guns, and a pair of brass knuckles. The 17-year-old had been busted a day earlier after showing up late for school at around noon and entering an office to log his attendance. A school staffer spotted what she thought was a pistol in his backpack and alerted school safety agents. NYPD Police Commissioner Derbyshire Shea and another top cop have put their retirement papers in the weeks before Mayor-elect Eric Adams takes office, the Post has learned. Shea and First Deputy Commissioner Ben Tucker will step away from the police department on December 31st. The top cop's di- driver, Detective Thomas Fitzgerald, also filed for retirement on Thursday. The lame duck police commissioner, with just a month left on the job, filed for retirement while overseas in Dubai on, quote, Routine travel for the NYPD. The move was expected as a new mayoral administration will take over on January 1st. Incoming Mayor Eric Adams has not said who will replace Commissioner Shea. At midnight yesterday, Major League Baseball's collective bargaining agreement expired. Minutes later, MLB owners announced a lockout of the players. It's baseball's first work stoppage since the 94-95 player strike, and there's no telling when it's going to end. As a result of the lockout, the league is not using any player's name, image, or likeness in any capacity. So that means if you go to any MLB team's 
official website or MLB.com. It's going to look a little bit different than it usually does. Fans can still find respective teams' rosters, but photos of each player have been removed. Former Miami Marlins president David Sampson broke it down on Fox Business's Your World with Neil Cavuto. Well, keep in mind, the players only get paid between April and September. So while there is a lockout, players are not losing money. They only begin to lose once the season would have started. So I think the true pressure point comes when it looks like the season is going to be delayed and then members of that union will not be getting the paychecks that they're used to getting. But the union has countered that argument by saying, we've got a war chest here. We have withheld licensing money from these players. So we've built up money that we could distribute to members of the union if they start missing actual paychecks. So this game of chicken, as you called it, could last for quite a while. Well, following the work stoppage, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred wrote a letter to fans of the sport and explained the lockout situation and how both sides got to this point. In addition, the Players Union also had a statement that they released shortly after the lockout began. The union called the lockout owner's choice and wanted to pressure the union in order to gain more benefits for the owners, the key Rust crew member accused of handling Alec Baldwin the gun before cinematographer Helena Hutchins was shot dead backed the actor's claim that he never pulled the trigger, but the Santa Fe County Sheriff has insisted that guns just don't go off. Attorney for Assistant Director Dave Halls told ABC that Halls has always maintained that Baldwin's finger was never on the trigger when their cinematographer was killed. October 21st on the New Mexico set. All right, it's just about 5.57. Joe Nolan's got your traffic. All right, if you're traveling inbound on the LIA, we're slow, steering town road to the Cross Island and around uh, the area of Queens Boulevard. Deegan southbound now, an accident up at 179th Street. Also, as you travel inbound on the Gowanus BQE Industry City to the Brooklyn Bridge, which slow go. Now, if you're southbound on 287 in New Jersey, this is a new one. It exits 39, which is Route 10, a vehicle fire, two left lanes are out. And then on Route 10 itself, on approaching Route 53, a collision that in the right lane. Now, mass transit running right on or close to schedule. And alternate side is in effect. With traffic on the sevens, I'm Joe Nolan. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Thanks a lot, Joe. Matt Sapienza, weather, what's going on with that? All right, here is what's going on with weather. It's going to be sunny today with a high near 46. A northwest wind 15 to 17 miles an hour. Increasing clouds tonight with a low around 37. Uh, here's a look at the weekend. Partly sunny with a high near 48. Uh, Saturday night it's going to be partly cloudy with a low around 35. And then Sunday is going to be a unique day. Mostly sunny with a high near 51. North wind 6 to 10 miles an hour because coming southeast in the afternoon. And then Sunday night, showers are going to be likely mainly after 1 in the morning. Mostly cloudy with a temperature rising to around 52 by 3. Chance of rain is 60%. New precipitation amounts between tenth and a quarter of an inch possible. Right now in New York City, 44 WABC degrees under fair skies. And now that's the weather. Right back to Frank Diaz. Thanks a lot, Matt Sapienza. Well, we're just about done here today. We, uh, Oh, okay. All right. Well, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story remake has scored rave reviews from critics with a slew of five-star ratings, gushing comments, and heartfelt accolades spelling out an award season glory for the movie. Following the movie's at New York City premiere and L.A. screening on Monday, official reviews landed on Thursday with The Guardian branding the movie a vividly dreamed, cunningly modified, and visually staggering revival. Social media reactions echoed those of the ex- experts with widespread praise coming in earlier this week. 
Before film critics began their glowing praise of director's adaptation of the 1957 musical, which he created alongside Leonard Bernstein and Stephen Sondheim, who passed away over the weekend at 91. All right, we're just about out of time here. Up next, Bernie and Sid of the morning. Bernie is out today, but、uh, Smiley Face Sid is about to walk in. He's going to tell you about all the menorah lighting that he did last night with John Katz in front of the plaza. So be sure to tune into that, and don't forget, beat Bernie. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. Fifteen thousand one seventy-eight average, based on twenty percent below average MSRP from all twenty twenty-three Grand Cherokee Overland Four by E and Summit Four by E models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by four one. Jeep is a registered trademark.